0: Our reading this morning comes from Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 20. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching he said, Listen, Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying thirty, sixty, or even a hundred times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they fall away quickly. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others... Like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it and produce a crop 30, 60, or even a hundred times what was sown. This is the gospel of Christ. Well
1: thank you, Chris. Good morning folks. Anybody on the New Year's Honours list? <laughs> me neither. The Queen gets no more Christmas cards from me. You that. Well, let me pray. May the words of my lips and the thoughts and meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord God, our Creator and Redeemer. Amen. Well, we're looking at that uh, which was so well read by Chris. Thank you. And you can see that Jesus, if you read the, uh, the New Testament, you'll find that Jesus is often taught in parables. And what is a parable? Well, a parable is simply a story or an everyday happening, but with a spiritual meaning, which is mostly not difficult to grasp, not difficult to understand mostly. But at the same time, you can ignore it. You can dismiss it. Or you can say to yourself that it's not speaking about you or to you. You sort of refuse to let your heart accept it. That is a parable. A story with a deeper spiritual meaning about the kingdom of God, about Jesus, but you can shut your ears to it. That's why Jesus says in verse 9, He who has an ear, let him hear. And please don't let, for the moment, uh, or for this sermon, don't let uh, verses 11 and 12 confuse you. When Jesus speaks about the secret of the kingdom of God, and those outside and those inside, and understanding and not understanding, don't get confused about that. That's a whole other sermon. But quite simply, those words mean Jesus there is quoting the Old Testament. He's quoting what happened at that time, but he's looking down the future as well. And Jesus is saying, that, there, and that quote is saying, that there are two types of people who will hear parables from Jesus, which are about him and bringing in the kingdom of God, the gospel. And some who hear will, in humility, seek God's help to seek the truth and accept those parables which Jesus is talking about. They will believe, but others won't. It's just as simple as that, really. Some won't. And all that means that uh, the parable that we hear this morning, in that parable, it is your choice. You can open your spiritual ears and let God speak to you, respond and allow God to change you, or you can ignore it, find some reason not to accept or believe it. And you can leave this building this morning spiritually exactly the same as when you walked in, no change, it's your choice. And in this particular parable of the sower, we can't really not understand it. It's fairly simple. We can't, we can't not understand what represents whom or whom what represents because after telling the parable, Jesus immediately tells the disciples exactly what it means. So we don't really have to work anything out. Well, let's look at it. Verse 1. Jesus was teaching a large crowd, and in verse 3 he says, Listen. There's the key word, Listen. And he tells about a farmer who sowed seed. Something these people would have seen hundreds and hundreds of times. They were rural people. They'd have seen this hundreds of times. A farmer would tie a bag of seed around his waist and he'd scatter it as he walked through the field. That's the beginning of the parable. Now who is the farmer? Who's the sower of the seed? Well Mark doesn't say, but in Matthew's gospel it does say. It says that the sower is the son of man. Jesus. And the seed... Verse 14, the farmer sows the word, the word of God, the kingdom of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the soil, verse 15, people, those who heard Jesus in his day, those who have heard the gospel down the centuries, and us here this morning. The soil is people, or more specifically, How people respond in their heart to the gospel. And Jesus says there are four responses. And all four of those responses will be represented here this morning. All four responses. Your heart, my heart will be one of these. Well, firstly, there's the unreceptive heart. Uh, verse 4: uh, In Israel 2,000 years ago, there were no fences around a field. You could just walk through the field. And where people had walked, well, the pathways obviously had become absolutely solid. They were hard ground. Well, some, feed, uh, some seed fell on, this, on those paths, and they couldn't penetrate the soil. And so the birds ate the seed. And Jesus says in verse 15 that some people are like that soil whenever they hear the gospel, they don't allow it to penetrate their hearts. They hear it, but they dismiss it almost immediately. And this is the person who is totally unreceptive to the gospel. They may go to church occasionally. They hear preaching, but they really don't listen because they don't want to know, really. They don't ask questions. Well, what did the preacher mean? Is he speaking the truth? Could Jesus be who he claimed to be? What must I do? None of those things. It's like the gospel hits a brick wall. I've preached in front of many people like that, sadly, where it's had no effect. They hear, but they're not interested. Or they think that they know what Christianity is, and it's not really for them, it's for other people. And they leave exactly the same as they came in. And if you're a Christian... You too will have come across that. You may speak to your friends about Christianity, but some won't listen. They won't even discuss it. They're not interested. Unreceptive. And it's a tragedy because one day they'll wish they had listened. Secondly, there's the shallow heart. Verse 5, no depth. Some seed, says Jesus, fell on Rocky soil. Throughout Israel, when you, even today, when you go to Israel, there are large slabs of limestone. And they have, they have on top of, top of them just a wee bit of uh, soil, just, just on top of them, uh, just a layer of soil, which looks good, but it's only centimeters deep. And just below the surface is solid rock. And when seed falls on this ground, it gets water very quickly, so it grows very quickly, but with no depth of soil, when the sun's heat comes upon it, It withers and it dies. It looked healthy at first, but it had no depth. So it died. And Jesus says in verse 16, some people are like that with the gospel. They receive it with great joy, but it doesn't take root. There's no depth. And so when difficult times come, when doubts come perhaps, or questions come, hard times come because of the gospel, well they fall away. They seem to embrace the gospel at first, but it's superficial. And we see that often today, sadly. We live in a superficial culture where most things are based on feelings these days. Decisions that we make, rights, wrongs, truth, how to behave, how to live, is based mostly on feelings, based based mostly on, on emotions. No depth. Never mind whether something is true or false. Never mind whether it's right or wrong. How does it make me feel? Do I feel that it's right for me? Do I feel that it's right? And that, sadly, that philosophy comes into the church. Many people's Christianity today is based on feelings and emotions. They want to experience God. Now we all want that, of course, but that's all these people want. They want to experience God. Have a look at the Christian meetings which are often advertised. They're often advertised as sort of experience God's power in your life. Sense God's presence with you. Come and be touched by God. That's how many churches promote Christianity today. Experience is based. Feel God. And so many Christians today don't want to think they don't want to think too deeply. They don't want to read or discuss too deeply. They don't want to know intellectually and theologically what the cross means, or the resurrection means, or what sin or redemption and conversion means. No, they just want to experience God. Ask most Christians today what things like justification means or what sanctification means. They'll look at you as if you've come from outer space. They don't know what those things mean. They just want to experience God. And believe it or not, that was many in the crowd who followed Jesus. Read Mark's gospel. Read John's gospel. Many just wanted the excitement of seeing Jesus do miracles or healings. Superficial followers. Shallow. No roots. But Jesus saw through them. And when the tough times came, they left him. Read John chapter 6, for example. Jesus had been doing some miracles... And then he preached a very difficult sermon on the bread of life, saying that he was the bread of life. And at the end of chapter 6 it says, many of his disciples followed him no more. Too difficult. So seed falling on rocky soil is the person who hears the gospel and there's almost instant conversion. There's great excitement. And we get excited about it in the church. There's lots of joy. And they start going to church and going to all the Bible studies and all the prayer meetings. They attend all the Christian meetings. They evangelize their friends. They seem to grow in their faith very quickly. But after a while, something happens. After a year or 18 months, something happens. Perhaps a relationship begins with a non-Christian. Or some tough questions come about their faith. Ones they hadn't faced before. Or the Christian life gets just too hard. The excitement has died down. It wasn't like that at the beginning. I'm not excited anymore. Whatever it is, church attendance gets less and less and less. And they fall away. Their faith withers and dies. Why? What happened? Well, their Christian faith didn't go deep, they didn't think things through properly. What do I believe? Why do I believe this? Is there a God? How do I know there's a God? Can I know God? Why is Christianity the truth? What about other faiths? Aren't they true? What about evolution? They didn't learn theologically about the cross and sin and Jesus Christ and who he is properly and why he came. There was no cost of following Jesus. They didn't even think about that. Just all excitement. There was no grappling with the scriptures they hadn't thought through the tough issues like if God is a loving God why is there so much suffering in the world why do we suffer why do good people not follow Jesus Christ why is Christ the only way we all worship the same God why is Jesus Christ the only way these difficult questions and when they come to those questions well they haven't really thought or prayed through them properly or learned them properly it was all superficial So there's lots of joy at first, but it doesn't go deep. There's no roots, and they fall away. And again, sadly, I've seen that many times. I'm sure you may have done. It's an absolute tragedy. Ask yourself an important question this morning. If I don't follow God, if I don't follow Jesus Christ, why don't I? And if I do follow Jesus Christ... Why do I? Why do I follow him? And please don't say because I feel it's right. Look through it. Think carefully. Discuss. Secondly, thirdly, verse 7, some seed fell amongst thorns. Uh, Again, uh, you can see it today. Unprepared soil in Israel was full of weeds and thorns as it is everywhere else. And if the farmer didn't weed or turn the ground properly, when seed was sown, it got overpowered. It got choked by the weeds before it could grow. And Jesus explains in verse 15, These are the people who hear the gospel, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and status, and the desire for other things, come in and they choke the word, making it unfruitful. I want you to notice this one carefully. There There are two things here. They're quite subtle. There's two things here. Firstly, there are people who hear the gospel, they sort of believe in God, but for whom life now is more important than following Jesus Christ than following God in life. They believe in God, sort of, but life's too busy. My career, my business, my hobby, my traveling, and going to church on Sunday and learning about these other things, well, I just haven't got time to, uh, to do those things. Just, life's just too busy. So when, people, when these people hear the gospel, and they do occasionally, They sort of hear it and accept it in a way, but their busyness of life, their other stuff in life, their career, their work, their travel, their business, their social life, their money, their family, it all chokes it. And they're very nice people. We're not talking about bad people here. We're talking about nice people. But these other things choke it. And really, the truth is, these other things are simply just more important than God to them. It's as simple as that. But there's a second thing here. Jesus says that some hear the word, and they probably hear it on a regular basis. But, verse 19, it doesn't produce fruit. This is very subtle. Some people kind of kid themselves. We kid ourselves. They come to church, but they don't really enjoy church. It's it's hard to put it into words, but they they find coming to church a bit of a chore. It's a bit of a bore, you know what I mean? And and they don't really want to be at church. It's more that they feel that they have to go. It may be for their family, perhaps, or to be seen in the congregation, or because they've always gone to church. So they hear the word, but really they can't wait to get out of church and get into these other things. And it's those things that show where their heart is. It's not in Christ. Now, don't get me wrong, you know... I'm not saying that all Christians charge to get to church... Oh, I can't wait to go to church on Sunday morning. Golly, I want to get there now. I'm not saying that. Of course I'm not saying that. We sort of get tired sometimes. But for these people, it's different. And so there's no Christian fruit in their lives. You see, it's not that these people don't hear the word... ...and even on a regular basis. It's that the word doesn't produce fruit. They hear the sermons, but it doesn't change them spiritually. There's no growing in Christ... There's no learning. There's no, there's no prayer life. There's no thinking about reaching other people for the gospel. It's not on their hearts. When you speak to them, they're, more, they're not concerned about spiritual issues. They're always concerned about their family or their work or their travel. Or the You see, Jesus is speaking about some of the people who were in front of him. They'd heard his sermons over and over and over again. But it wasn't changing them. It wasn't producing spiritual fruit. Because other things in life took priority. Even though they heard the sermons. And it's exactly the same today. And this is not my judgment. It's not Wally his judgment. This is Jesus' judgment. If other things in my life take all my time and God and Jesus very little or nothing, then it means other things are choking me. Spiritually, they are stopping me from living for Christ. That's what he's saying. And so ask yourself another question. Are things in my life, doesn't matter what they may be, stopping me from following God, from seriously following Jesus Christ? And if so, what might they be? The fourth type of soil is the receptive soil. Verse 8, still other seed fell on good soil. Then, verse 20, these are people who hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, even 100 times what was sown. This harvest compensated the farmer for all his hard labor. Yes, much of the seed fell on useless soil, but what fell on good soil, it it produced an incredible harvest. So it is with preaching the gospel it always produces fruit. Always. It always produces people who hear the word, receive it, obey it, and live it. Yes, they fail. But they try to live it. These are the people who see that life is actually all about God, all about Jesus Christ, and all about the gospel, who by God's grace have seen through the superficiality of much of this world and have been shown and seen the truth of the gospel that God sent his son into this world, Jesus Christ, to die for me and to bring me into a relationship with him, to love him. And in time, God begins to produce fruit in that particular person and in people. It is slow. It is very slow. It is very, very, as many verys as you like, Slow. Because fruit takes years and years to grow and mature. And it's exactly the same here. And so the leaves of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, etc., they begin to grow and flower in this person. Yes, it is slow. And yes, we fail in them. Of course we do. The sun scorches a bit. The wind blows off a branch. But God grows another one. A stronger one with more fruit. And so it goes on The lifelong process of sanctification The lifelong process of growing to know God And pursuing a life to become more like Jesus Christ That is the receptive heart One who listens and learns and does and changes Albeit ever so slowly And Jesus leaves us with two things from this parable First, a warning, and it is a warning don't just hear the word the emphasis of this parable is not on the sower nor the seed, both are important but the emphasis is on the soil your heart and mine and so the warning, the confronting is for us are we not allowing God's word to enter are we stopping it from penetrating are we switching off to it so that when we leave this building this morning we're exactly the same as when we walked in which soil are you in this parable? And I ask that question because the the, the the older I get, the more I see that nothing nothing is more important in life than these eternal issues. Jay said it two weeks ago. Nothing is more in life is more important in life than these two issues, and I see that the older I get. So if you're a Christian. Is the word of God changing you? Not some parts of you, the ones which you like and which are nice and comfortable. I loved what Margaret said. Hated it in one sense because it took me back to the other night where I was, went out distraught. Probably worse than you, Margaret. But it's important. Learning, growing, reaching others. Are those things important to you? Not part of your life, all of your life. But there's also encouragement here. The sower here is Jesus. Of course he is. But in one sense, all Christians are sowers. And sowing the seed of the gospel is hard work. It is toil and labor. Yes, when harvest time comes for the farmer, it is a great time of joy. Harvest means summer. It means blue skies and fruit springs up, singing, joys, all those things. And so it is with a spiritual harvest. There is nothing more joyful than seeing a person come to know Christ. There is nothing more joyful than seeing Christians grow in Christ. Remember what John says in his letter? uh, I consider it pure joy that I see you growing in Christ. That's the harvest. But before the harvest, there is hard work and plowing and sowing and weeding and preparing. It is back-breaking work. Sowing the gospel is hard work. I wasn't going to say this but I am going to say it because they spoke about the Equip conference earlier. I went to the Equip conference last week and I was so thrilled at the sort of the fruit that that ministry has and continues to produce fruit. It is wonderful to see. And it was good to hear those things this morning. But it has been hard long work for almost 20 years and some particularly couples, whether it's upfront ministry or behind the scenes ministry. I looked around the other day, I saw them and they've been there year after year after year after year for almost 20 years. They have been the driving force since the beginning when it started. And when it started, I remembered back the other day, they were in the 20s. They are in the 20 years old and they were young, fresh faced, bright-eyed and bushy tails, lots of energy 20 years ago, they were in the 20s and they had no grey hair they had no children all the wonders of life they had all this energy and when I looked around the other day they're in their mid-40s, they've all got the grey hair, their shoulders have drooped a little bit more they've got teenagers yeah, 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 yeah they didn't have before the energy seems to have died a little bit But they've worked over year after year after year. And the meetings they've had to go to and the work behind the scenes they've had to do over and over again, as well as, as, well as their own ministries in the church, has been incredibly hard. But they've stuck at it. And you see the fruit that's coming from it. It's an absolute joy. But sowing seed is hard work. And you in this church have been doing hard work to sow the seeds. And I've got some bad news for you. Some of you in this church will not see the fruit of the labors which you're putting in now. It's sad, but the next generation will see it. But keep on on doing it, brothers and sisters. It was hard for Jesus. It was hard for Paul. It was hard for all the apostles. And so it will be for you and for me. It is hard work. But may God bless your ministry. Because it's wonderful to see. Let me pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we pray that we would sow good seed, and we pray that it would, sow, would would flow on good soil. And we thank you for the soil and the the fruit that we see here this morning. But help us, Father, we, we pray, to realize once again that it, so in seed is hard work. And we thank you and praise you that you've given us your spirit to do that work. And we pray that you would continue to bless this ministry. Fill us with your spirit, we pray, that when we live and when we talk to people about the gospel, they may receive it with joy. In our Lord's name we pray. Amen.